0: witty thought-provoking and uplifting southern soul Livestream is a program that you'll invite your friends over to watch every week where you'll learn about interesting guests and get to share in their fascinating experiences tune in each thursday evening at 8 p.m eastern to connect with guests from across the generations and to laugh with our eclectic host who are as charming as they are talented and now ladies and gentlemen here's our host calvin I am excited about the show tonight, and I tell you why. I've known Billing for many years. And one thing that's cool is when you reconnect with someone over the years, and I think she must have did a press release before I kind of knew that she was kind of doing cool stuff. And she does this press release, and I'm like, "Wow, I didn't know she was doing that, right? But when I begin to look at the topic, marketing, strategy, communication, Building your story, your brand and your message for your nonprofit or purpose-driven organization, I was like, OMG, we got to get her on the show. We got to get her because I can only imagine, Bill, how much that is like a big topic in that sometimes people don't know what they need and need what they know, but I'm just happy that you're here tonight. And you know, if you don't mind telling people a few things about you and, you know, and why you're happy to be here, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, thank you, uh, Calvin, so much for having me. Um, it has been years since, I won't say, I won't date us and say how many how many years it has been since undergrad, um, but I'm um, excited to be here and uh, see a familiar face and um, have this conversation with you, which is really just about my life's work, you know, this is what I've spent um, more than a decade, if not more than that, uh, on, and so I'm excited to talk about that. Um, again, my name is Billin mesfin Packwood. I live right now in Oakland, California, um, which is where I've been for, um, more than a decade actually. Um, but originally I'm from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and I spent a lot of time in the South too, both at, um, in Nashville, Tennessee, where we were, uh, for undergrad and also Georgia, um, which is where a lot of my family still is actually. And, um, I am a mama to, a a uh, really active four-year-old who probably will bang on the door in a little bit too, and uh, uh, a wife to an amazing change maker too. So, just a little bit
0: about myself. Awesome, awesome. So let people know what to expect. I'm going to let people know what to expect because we're going to start talking a little bit about you, and then we're going to talk about the company that you founded, and then what sure. we're going to talk about is the community. But before we get into that, let's talk more about you. I mean, one thing, and I know the answer to this question, right? And but. Do you feel that you're following a career path that is aligned with your core values?
1: Mm, absolutely i I think I've been somehow super blessed to find myself on a career path where I get to work with folks to make change every every day, literally every day. you know, so there's no I don't think there's ever a day where I feel like I'm not contributing in some in some way to a broader cause or a cause bigger than myself. So that, that feels incredibly um, meaningful and it feels like a blessing, uh, in a lot of ways. And, um, I think the other way that I feel like I get to live out my values is honestly in the, in the way that I create the business or I run the business, I get to like showcase what I believe a business should be as well. So that's super, super meaningful too.
0: Yes. I mean, I think it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, how many people just dream about the concept of having this purpose-driven life, right? Or, you know, creating an organization. I mean, it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it, right? But for you, when did you realize, like, you wanted to do something purpose-driven? Was it like, was it always the case? I mean, because you started out in journalism, right? If you don't mind giving people your background, right?
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, I've always been a writer and I've always loved storytelling. So, you know, in that sense, I've always just wanted to write. Um, so, uh, and and to be really honest, when I think I was an undergrad, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Ultimately, it was a, a time spent in in confusion versus like direction, I would say, which I think, you know, that's what school is for. Hopefully you get to like experiment and, and see things. And so, I got into, I went into, I knew I wanted to write. I, I didn't really know if I wanted to be a journalist, quote unquote. I knew I wanted to write and create kind of stories and media opportunities. And so that's what I pursued after grad. After undergrad. Um, I basically set myself up to go into journalism, spent time at a magazine in Georgia, and um, worked in like marketing for Nashville Public Television, and then came out to California to go to grad school with the idea that I was just going to you know, continue to be a storyteller, continue to be a journalist. Um, and then after I graduated, I did do journalism for about a year before I moved into strategic communications. I worked for um, the, the San Francisco uh, District Attorney at the time um, for about three to four years and then decided to start out as a solo consultant. I, To be honest, I never thought about having a quote-unquote business <laughs> um, or a company that wasn't really a goal. I just wanted to branch out on my own and be my own boss. And so I was a solo consultant for, for a while, actually, um, until 2015, which is when I started to build out a team.
0: Yes, the life of the solo consultant. I call that when you are working as a entrepreneur consultant and you not getting direct deposit or if you do get it it shows up once or twice a year i mean how did that feel for you were you nervous were you excited had you had previous examples right did you grow up in that household
1: no so i you know i grew up in an immigrant household Mm -hmm. where when i told my mom i was gonna go out on my own uh the first question she asked me about was about health care like health care benefits are you gonna have health care because you know we grew up with uh understanding that like stability was more important than entrepreneurship um even though i think you know the my mom is a really smart strong woman i felt like if she actually came to the states at an earlier time in her life she could be running companies too but for for them it really was about just establishing a life making sure that their children went got an education and got jobs and got stability got healthcare. and so when i kind of threw that all up in the air and was like, I'm going to go work for myself. There was, there were some feelings there. There were some feelings there. And so, um, and you know, in the, in the beginning I was, I think I was about 28, 29. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a family, you know, I was just supporting myself. And so there was a lot of room to, to take risks and innovate, um, and kind of see and experiment, which was, which was really fun, but it wasn't, it was not easy, especially the first, the first couple of years. Um, I don't, th- I, I would not describe those years as, as easy, <laughs> yeah. but they were, they were definitely fun, you know? Yeah.
0: I got a buddy who, um, he's just doing it now after, you know, and he worked a job, I think in nuclear or something. And you know, that stable life and he's just getting ready to do it. I'm like, dude, if you're scared, if you're nervous, if you have no idea what you're going to do and you're just, I'm like, you're doing the right thing. And, you know, kudos to him because, you know, it's, it's, it is like a really big deal, right. To do it. Mm -hmm. So kudos to you. Tell me this. What about family, right? Like, I mean, how does family play a part of this? I mean, do you kind of, you know, go to an office separate from family? Do you do the (laughs) work-life integration thing? You know, is your husband supportive? I mean, what's that dynamic?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. And I feel like, complex answer. So actually right now, my husband too has his own nonprofit that he's been running for about eight years. We just got joint office space. So after two years of working out of the home during COVID, we were like, hey, might as well keep this going. So we ended up getting actually a a big space in Jack London Square in Oakland and his organization is going to be there. My company is going to be there. Um, and we're also thinking about starting a new venture together. So it it kind of just, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, um, letting life unfold, um, and kind of, and having a general direction, but like leaving room for life to unfold. And, um, it's unfolding in that way. I don't think I would have expected that, you know, even just like three years ago that we would be doing that, but, but here we are. Um, so we have, you know, in terms of the way we manage family, I think we very much count on partnership. And so like, even, you know, I do preschool drop-offs, he does pickups, you know, um, if we have to, uh, you know, if school is closed, then I take on the morning shift. He takes on the afternoon shift, um, just ways to kind of balance, you know, raising Eliana, who's our daughter, and manage the things we have to manage as well. Um, so it's it's definitely like a a partnership in that sense.
0: you know, I, I I love that story because, you know it leads me into the next question that it just kind of talks about like what inspired you to change? I mean, to start change, you know, hmm. consulting LLC. I mean, I mean, you, you're stepping out. You're becoming an entrepreneur for the first time. Now, I think you've grown to like a 12 person, you know, consultant, mm-hmm. you know, group, mm-hmm. and you're hiring, right? I mean, come on. Do you like pinch yourself? Or like, how does that even happen, right? I mean, <laughs> so uh, what, uh, what inspired so I would you? Say,
1: yeah, maybe I can just also <laughs> share a little bit about who we are and what we do. Um, so we are a full service communication shop. We work primarily with nonprofits and foundations that are working on social and racial justice in particular, and we focus a lot on um, groups that are working on systems change um, in terms of either creating new opportunities for Black communities and communities of color to thrive or removing any barriers to opportunities for our communities. so that's t- that tends to be our sweet spot. Um, and we that's what we've been doing for a long time, you know. And so right now we're about a... Uh, we just finished hiring a hiring process and brought on five people. So we're a team of 12. Um, so we're going to see where that, is, where, where that takes us for this year. We're just going to get used to that, get used to each other as a team, get used to kind of this new level where we're at. And my theory around it is to take it one step at a time um, instead of, you know, trying to, you know, build everything all at once. Um, And, you know, there's, um, there's a a theory I follow called uh, step change growth. So it's, you know, you, you grow and then you kind of level out and see where that takes you. Then you grow again. So about every other year thinking about, another level of growth and having time to to adjust in the meantime is also, I think, a theory that I
2: follow.
0: Yeah. You know, it it makes me think, you know, as you're growing, it gives you an opportunity to kind of define the culture, right? That's important Mm -hmm. to you. So do you have like any values or principles, you know, as you do this step change growth? I mean, is it like flexible work from home? Is it like, you know, I'll, bring your baby to work. I mean, you guys doing any weird stuff like yeah. that? Or well, listen, <laughs> exciting things like I don't that? I <laughs> that, <that's> not
1: know that. Hopefully that's not weird. But for sure, you know, um, there's a few things that I really believe in. One is like, I don't know if I can curse on your show, no assholes. Like, Okay, okay. You know, no toxic culture, um, no individual uh, ascendancy at the cost of you know relationships um no trying to like have big you know high egos a lot of drama i really believe in low ego high impact wow. we're going to be arguing over things i really want us to be arguing over the work you know so that's something i communicate to everyone and i feel very strongly about um i do not want to create a toxic work culture i feel like if i ever do that then we should just close up shop and do some nuts Cause that no one, no one wants to do that. Um, so that's one big thing. Um, another big thing is I do believe in um, equity and try to make sure folks are getting paid well, <laughs> um, that they're taken care of. You know, we do things like, especially during COVID, we did things like um, work from home stipends and quarterly self care stipends we believe in um, this is, I think, a new thing that we're we're doing a lot, which is just having even quarterly shutdowns. So we shut down our the entire shop for about wow. four to five days every quarter. <laughs> so we get to
0: rest. I knew it was um, in there somewhere.
1: We, do like, a, we it, do like a big shutdown at the end of the year just because it's so, you know, t- I feel like things move fast these days. There's so much work and there's so much to do. And so figuring out ways to like rest and reflect in in between is good um we actually just moved to even though we got this office space we're all going to be working virtually essentially for the rest of the year as well um i think people really love working from (laughs) working from home um so i don't i don't feel like i need to have control over like you need to come into the office space to deliver a lot of it is because the folks the you know the team is really amazing like it's a you know, it's, it, it's a team of grownups. They know what they want to do. I feel like sometimes they manage me versus i managing them because they all really care about their their work, um, which is a pleasure,
0: to be honest. So, you know, it's cool because I think you told a story where you just hired a couple VPs, right? So mm-hmm. you hire these VPs and they're they're doing their VP stuff. Did that free you up to do different stuff, or are you like wearing a big CEO hat now? What's going <laughs> on? Because I can only well, imagine.
1: Yes. Good question. The, Yes, yeah, so you said they I, manage uh, you.
0: Tell me about it. I'm curious because you know sometimes people are like, oh, she's awesome, she's super CEO, but something tells me you're like, hey, I think I'm just figuring this out. I don't know. I want to talk for you, but I'm curious. Yeah.
1: You no, know, you know exactly <laughs> that's how it is. I keep it hella real and transparent.
0: Uh huh.
1: I'm like, listen, I've never ran a 12 person shop before. You know, let's figure this out together. You know, and I think that helps to uh, maybe. I, I don't know. I think some, we, we all kind of see leadership sometimes as like, you know, superhuman folks that are doing superhuman things and their leaders are over here and we're over here. And I don't, I don't really see that. I think I'm human. I'm okay. figuring some things out. I'm going to make mistakes. Um, I'm learning and growing through this process. And so I want to be just as transparent about that as anything else with the team. So one of the things, honestly, that I had to do was change my, my title to CEO. Cause for a long time, I never saw myself as that. I just kind of saw myself as a person who's doing the work. Um, and I, I, I still am. And so I, I, I noticed though that I needed to shift my mindset. Um, so that's what I'm working on and the title, the title change helped with that in terms of seeing myself as more of a CEO versus the person who's always doing the work. Like I now have a different set of, um, Duties on my job description than I did even a year ago, you know, and, and that has to come with the growth. So I'm I'm figuring that out. Um, I really do believe in like progress over perfection. So, you know, I'm gonna keep it real about where we are. As long as we're better this year than we were last year, I'm comfortable with that, and I'm yeah. happy with that.
0: You know, I, I love your keep it real nature because you know, even I work for this company, and one of the core mission principles and values is a no bullshit culture mm. it's literally stated and you're often in sessions where either a baby's going to run through a cat's going to show up typically when a cat show up that. they mean the meeting's gone too long and then there's always <laughs> going to be somebody dropping these no bullshit whatever and it's called oh the other thing is don't f the customer these are real mm-hmm. mission statements right and I it, love that. it excites me because it gives me the opportunity and probably a little insight into your world is that when you get to build something from scratch mm. with Brown people as a woman led organization, I mean, I don't know if that's scary or exciting, right? Do you feel like you have like any like burden or mm. like opportunity on your shoulder? I'm just curious, or maybe mm. you didn't think about it till I said it. I'm oh, sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's scary. You know, cause, um, one of the things we face is actually is black and Brown founders or, um, I don't even know if I consider myself a founder or it's more, I consider myself more as a small business owner okay. is that there's, you know, my husband and I talk about it all the time. There's very little safety net, you know? And so it's scary to think about growth or innovation. If you don't really have a safety net to fall back on, you know, you, you then get into a place where if you get some, you kind of want to hold on to it and you don't know if it's going to come again, but you can't really grow in that way, you know? And so, having um even so how it's a really a question you know if you don't have a safety net how do you give yourself the confidence you need to grow you know um and it's it's a lot of work it's Mm. it's probably more work than other folks would have to deal with who who do have safety nets whether it's whether or not it's knowing that there's a pot of money somewhere if you're running low on cash or you're taking a risk and it might not pay off it's not gonna like totally just kill your dream, you know? So if you don't really have that, what does it take to be able to take risks and to innovate? It It's, it's probably more, it's harder. It takes a lot more, um, you know, a lot of, <laughs> on my end, a lot of mindset work mm-hmm. to, you know, motivate myself to take risks, to anticipate positive things versus like, thinking about all the negative things that can happen. So it's a real thing. I think it's a structural thing um, that we all, all have to do, you know, kind of navigate and deal with on a personal
0: level all the time. You know, thanks for sharing that because that's real. You know, I hadn't thought about it that way. I hadn't thought about, you know, with the responsibility, there's the burden, but then there's also this thing of, hey, there's risk. And there's risks associated with, hey, I can't, I don't have time to be Superman, Superwoman, whatever. I got bills to pay. I got to handle this thing. And let me just kind of play it more conservative here. But that's real. And I can tell that that was very heartfelt. Well, that's why you're here, because that's one of the key things we do when we're looking for speakers (laughs) for Southern Soul. The number one thing I do, I'm like, do they have a humble spirit or they Mm community-led as compared to the bullet point people? You know, them people who put the bullet point on their resume (laughs) and say, I went and fed the children. No, not them. But you know, thanks for sharing that because it really made me think and it, it just kinda gave me the insight into the real part of it. Um, so mm-hmm. tell me this and, and for the audience, just so you should know how we do this. If it's your first time here, you know, we're gonna cover this last se- section where we're gonna talk about community, but then it's your turn to give questions. So be thinking about your questions. You can drop them in the chat, Tamika's gonna grab them, or you can take yourself off mute when we go into dialogue and we can talk about it. And at the very end, we're gonna have open discussion. So a couple more questions, Bill, before we get into the community part. Um, tell us about some of the ways you guys help organizations. And I love the way that this is described. Or help organizations raise awareness and visibility, change hearts and minds, and inspire actions. I just love that. How, how do you guys do that? What are some tools or techniques you guys display at Change Consulting that help organizations do that?
1: Yeah. So I I... I started change consulting because I really, first of all, believe that change makers are superheroes, you know? So, you know, other folks get excited about maybe musicians or, um, you know, movie stars. I get excited about folks who really have ideas for how to make our world better. Um, I think I'm super, always inspired by the brilliance and just the guts and courage that the folks we work with always exhibit. So, um, so that's one. And then I, I also started it because I believe communications is key to seeing the change we want to see in the world, um, shifting hearts and minds, shifting narratives, um, removing these like deeply entrenched ideas folks have about black communities and communities of color, community communications is core to that. So, um, I wanted to start, uh, a I wanted to kind of shape a place where if you're a change maker and you needed communication support, you can come find it at Change Consulting. You know, so our theory of change is really providing a continuum of communication services to nonprofits and foundations. And so um, some of the ways that that plays out um, is, you know, for example, uh, there was a group that wanted to start a $100 million fund uh, for. Black-led power-building nonprofits in California, and so working with them around the communications, um, both the messaging and the strategies and the materials to be able to do that. Um, and that group has raised, I think, now, as of this point, about a little bit more than sixty million dollars, um, and in, in less than a year. And so that's one way that we participate with them. Um, another is, you know. It, it, Let's say a group wants to see a piece of uh, policy, whether it's on the ballot or through the legislature, come to life um, around a really critical issue, partnering with them around the communications, both the strategy and the hands-on implementation to do that, whether it's media relations or digital or content, um, to be able to do that. Um, And a third example I would give is if, um, let's say, there's an organization that maybe has been doing work for a while and they need to rebrand they need a fresh message they need a fresh look or a new name or a new tagline um they need to kind of um you know maybe they haven't been doing communications before in a concerted way and they really want to level up in terms of how they show up in the world then we can partner with them to do that as well
0: awesome thanks for sharing that you know i i'd be honest if i didn't say you know before i you know, started Southern Soul. I didn't really understand how important messaging was until mm-hmm. I'm sitting there and I'm writing and I'm trying to articulate this thing that's simple, but it's complicated. And mm-hmm. I'm looking for all little words. I'm looking for the, through the thesaurus, and I cannot find the words and the phrases right. And it's so close to you. So it seems like some of the work you guys do may even help people describe their own self. You know, some of the reading like I was doing that. is the storytelling, right? Is that yeah. you know, and and I've always felt storytelling is a great tool, right? But just being able to kind of tell that story, and I remember at first I was trying to tell my story, and I said, mm, "That story sounds like 1990." It just didn't <laughs> seem, you know what I mean? I'm, and I like, I just stopped it. I'm like, I can't share this story because it's it's a good story, but it needs to be I don't know remastered, right? I don't know. It was black and white. and I needed to add color to it. But you know, I definitely gained an appreciation. Because even though Mm. I'm doing marketing stuff, I'm like, hmm, if you don't have the right message, the right communication, the right Mm. story, then how can you package that? So yeah, So that was my aha moment, right, in appreciation for what you do. Anything you want to say? It seemed like you had a thought.
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things to say about that, you know, oftentimes what we find is there are people who are just heads down doing the work, you know, for a long time, and they haven't um, stopped to think about what it all means and how to how to paint the picture of their impact or, or their work. And so that's definitely something we encounter a lot. Um, especially if folks are doers, like they're committed to just doing the work and so they're hella effective in that way. And then figuring out how to really express it, um, for, for greater impact is one thing. And, you know, for us, we really approach communications from a place of starting from goals. So it's, it's, you know, really thinking about what are the goals in in terms of what, what do you really want to accomplish how can communications help you do that? Um, thinking about who you want to reach your audience and then thinking about the messaging that's going to move that particular audience to action to get to the goals. And then only then do we really think about just, you know, the strategies and tactics come come from that. Um, but it's figuring out those four kind of cornerstones of communication strategy um, and helping them with that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a cool place to start. I was looking at... Um your job description that you have. So let me ask the question, are you still hiring sure. or has that job already been filled? Cause it seems like you guys move fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we just went through a four four month hiring process and found some amazing folks. Um, so folks are going to be the, the last two hires are going to be joining us in April. So I think we're going to stay at this place uh-huh. for the rest of the year and then evaluate whether or not we, we do something
0: else. Okay. So 12 foot on hold, you know, I tell you what I saw. Cause mm-hmm. you know, At some point in my life, I became an expert at reading job descriptions, but I liked the way it was written because it described some of the key skills you were looking for, right? Mm. Not only just being good at writing, but be good at, you know, communicating and telling Mm -hmm. stories and interviewing and stuff like that. I said, you know what? That sounds like you guys are doing some real valuable type things, right? So so, so it kind of got me excited. And like I said, if I hadn't (laughs) went through the process of multiple times trying to build something from nothing from scratch, I would not have appreciation. I'd be like, lawyers, what do they do? That's what I used to think. Right. <laughs> but then when you go through that experience, you're like, this thing is so important because you're right. If you're a doer, mm-hmm. if you really focus on the execution, it's like, sometimes your mind is like siloed. It's so focused on that mm-hmm. thing that it's really, you know, is, 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 hard. Now let's get yeah. to the favorite part. And also just to
1: just also give credit to the folks who actually led that. This was the first time I didn't have to do the hiring process from scratch. Um, So really appreciative for the for the team who who did the hiring process. And also, you know, one thing that we think about both in messaging, hiring, whatever is really leading with values first and communicating the values first. So hopefully, you know, folks who align with your values also come come, come join you. And it sounds like you and I are aligned, aligned on the values. Yes, yes.
0: The no BS culture, because, you know. And I think Tamika captured one of your favorite quotes, which is, you know, let's um, get into the community. And this is a part I know that the audience um, likes. And I was looking at some of your um, quotes and I was like, you should probably start writing these down if you don't already. So some of your quotes yeah. is like, let me read one of them. We often say communication is the secret sauce that people can use to create the vision and the change they want to see. Love that. But the one that I really love, if the problems are systematic then, two, mm. the solutions also are systematic. Mm-hmm. What? Tell me about community, Bill, and what's going on in the community, right? These nonprofits, these foundations, these purpose-driven organizations you're working with, what are some of the issues they're facing in the community? I mean, I'm pretty mm. sure we know in general, but tell us what are you seeing out in Oakland?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um... <coughs> Great question, and sorry, I'm just getting over a cold tube, but... So, you know, I think when I first started doing this work, a lot of folks even wondered why I was going into nonprofit work, you know, like why, why not for a corporation or a bigger brand? Um, and I think we all have seen over the last few years, just the explosion of interest around racial justice and social justice, because we see how important these issues are to our lives. I think for a long time, they were seen as like niche issues and, um, volunteer issues, charity issues. And now we've seen these, a lot of these, both the issues and the solutions go mainstream, which is super exciting, right? In a way that we haven't seen before, mostly because we've been, we've all having to confront them. You know, COVID was one of the things that was definitely, um, you know, we say a lot, like it exacerbated a lot of the systemic issues that we are already seeing in our communities. We went through just the racial justice uprisings in 2020, we're going through a lot of the, the, you know, anti-Asian sentiment and violence that's that's causing havoc in those communities. And so I think we are seeing both the issues and the solutions play out on a bigger stage than we ever have before. Um, and hopefully that is all leading to real change and real transformation. That, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, in terms of the issues that we focus on for our work, um, again, it's really related to racial justice um, as an issue. And so we tend to work on, for a long time, we worked on, and you're going to hear my daughter in the background this (laughs) morning, for a long time, we worked on um, mass incarceration, you know, and how that really harms Black and brown communities, whether it's, you know, policing or sentencing or youth justice. And so that's one of the things that we still work on. It's a long-term issue that we worked on. Another thing I'm super passionate about is just economic justice um, as well and the racial wealth gap and building real economic power for our communities so that we, you know, we, we get listened to and we get heard, um, I think is super important to me. And then um, right now, voting rights and democracy is super important. This, this year, the midterms are happening this year. It's a really critical election year. Um, and I think we're seeing just threats to our democracy in a way that we have not seen before. Um, and so we're focused on that this year. Um, and then I would say another thing that's just near and dear to my heart is issues around um, equitable child care and maternal health justice, especially for Black mamas, um, just both because of personal experience and um Systemic impacts. Those are two things I'm super passionate about
0: as well. You know, thanks for sharing that. I mean, those are some some really cool topics, and I hadn't thought about it in that way that you describe it. Is that at first it was like it's bit, it has a bittersweet message, right? You said it's an exciting time, and at first I'm like, hmm. I guess it is, right? Because if you take people who've, you know, they've been in a struggle for a while, right? They've been, you know, that brother, you know, that's been like, you know, brother Will on here. I remember when we were in undergrads, you know, Will was like, hey, we need an MLK holiday, right? You know, people have been in a struggle for a while, right? And this is a good opportunity that says, hey, Finally, people are paying attention. Maybe they'll mm-hmm. listen. You know, I was talking to someone recently. They were like, hey, it's not about awareness anymore because awareness is there. We yeah. see it. It is about yeah. action, right? And yeah. getting to that point yeah. of, hey, awareness, no, no, no. That was before 2016 or whatever. Yeah. Now it's about right. action, right? So it is yeah. exciting through that perspective. Now, I know you're passionate about the topic because you wrote a blog on it. Supporting mission-driven organizations, change makers and nonprofit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't mind sharing with the audience, you know, what are some ways you feel that individuals can make a difference? Because sometimes, you know, Mm. it's not in everybody to go start their own nonprofit. It's not in them to go, you know, build this big, passionate dream team. You know, what are some practical ways that you feel that individuals can really support these nonprofits, you know, mission driven organizations?
1: Yeah, I actually don't know if I would encourage folks to start a nonprofit right off the bat. You know, first, I would say take a little look around in your community, see who's been doing the work for a long time and figure out how to support those folks versus thinking you have it just a new idea. Take, I'm not against innovation, but I think take any issue. And there's probably a change maker in your community working on it right now. And so figuring out how to support those folks, I think is super important. Um, they definitely need your money. <laughs> you know, I think so that's one of the easiest ways and, probably the first ways folks think about um, supporting the nonprofits in their, in their community. They definitely also need your time. You know? So thinking about, are they, do, they, do they have volunteers? Are there ways you can chip in? Um, and then thinking about how to support them for the long haul. I mean, I think we've seen kind of waves of support come and go for nonprofits or for issues based on what explodes on uh, in terms of media or social media. And then, you know, needing to even once once that that explosion of interest has dissipated, how do you really stick with these groups for the long haul? Because you know they're they're in it for the long haul. Are three of the ways that I think about supporting
0: groups. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. You know, I guess you're right. You know, there is this social media media impact that I can imagine. It's like the Dalmatian. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody go buys a Dalmatian because the movie comes out. But then they. You know, yeah. once the hype leaves, then they take them to the shelter. And that's not cool, right? But these organizations mm-hmm. are there for the long haul. So mm-hmm. instead of being a seasonal supporter or a seasonal giver, mm-hmm. being there mm-hmm. thick and thin, being there to support them, not only, you know, financially, but with your your time yeah. and your talent, as they say, you yeah. know, with yeah. time. You know, Tamika, I think yeah. you're ready. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead and say something. I'm sorry. And
1: one thing I was going to say is just thinking about where what your interest is, you know, so we all... I'm sure, experience injustice in our lives all the time, you know. And so thinking about what is it that really sometimes gets you upset, <laughs> you know, gets you worked up and um, figuring out what group or what organization, what leader is figuring out how to address that that issue in a systemic way and then supporting them, I think, is a good way to start.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's, a, that's real practical. I like that if anybody looks around, you should be able to see something, right, that bothers you, that gets you going, that gets you thinking like, that's just not right. And that's a good place to start, because if you think about it, we tend to be more committed to the things we're passionate about, right? So, okay. you know, if you don't care about, you know, what's it, bicycles for tots, I mean, that's an important initiative, but if that's not your thing, you're not probably not gonna stick with it for long-term. So Tamika, I got another question, but before that, I'm gonna hold that question. Let's see what's on the audience mind. Who we got in the audience? Who we got questions from?
1: Right now, they're being shy. and No one's put anything in chat.
0: So. Oh, yeah. They're, they're being shy. There's no way yes. they're being shy. So let's see. Who who wants to come off mute? Who has a question? Let's see. Let me move this over here so I can show Bill in the other screen. Let's see here. I'm pretty sure... You know, I, I love an awkward silence, by the way, even though we're recording, you know, because well, it seems so long. Here's Will. Cool, Thank you, it. Will.
3: I've got a question, um, and it's a very personal-to-me type question. I am going to be starting my startup this summer. Right now, I'm in the phase of trademarking the name that will eventually be the name of my business. And I want to talk about positioning myself. You know, I'm thinking as you were talking about TD Jake's book, Repositioning Yourself. I, I, I want to know how you talk to organizations about positioning themselves for success in the lane in which they intend to drive and how to get more focused and clear about. How to best manage the set of activities they need to manage in order to make the most out of the lane they happen to be positioning themselves in?
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for that question and congrats. It sounds like you have some exciting days ahead with starting your startup. Um, I think it's always important just to start with the context, you know, so I'm sure you've done this, but taking a look at the landscape you're in who's out there doing similar things or maybe um, things that are aligned with what you want to do. And then that helps you figure out what is the differentiator for you? You know, what are, what are the things that you're, you know, including in your kind of your promise to whoever it is that you're serving that makes, that makes you different. Um, and that could be either in your approach, the way you do things or your services um, it could be in terms of who you are as a, as a leader um, and the kind of business that you're going to build. But thinking about first the, the context and then getting clear about your your brand promise, your values, your pers- you know, your brand personality, things like that that are going to make you, you know, you and find out a bit different
0: than other folks. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that answer, Will, and thank you for that response, Bill. And who else we have um, with some questions? I've seen some new faces pop in, so I know there's some questions out there, and I love an awkward also, silence. This
1: is also quite an audience. Um, I can't really see you all, but
0: um, yeah, I'm, I'm that's on page a one. Group let's see, you have let's there. see who's on page two here. Let's see here. I see there's Keith a question there. in the
1: chat from Sherry. Okay. Um, do you do
2: any work around the global sustainable goals? Um, and Sherry, right. if you want to add to that, you can. The
0: global sustainable goals. I'm curious about what that entails.
1: Do you want to say more about that? I meant the go- the
3: global goals. I meant global goals. Do you kind of... With your uh, nonprofit, do you kind of do work according to the Global
1: goals, like poverty?
2: Mm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so uh, we work with nonprofits. We ourselves are for-profit um, venture. Um, so that's just one, one clarification. And um, there there are sometimes clients whose work aligns with what the UN is doing through the Global work. Um, that's we don't we don't have a global focus a lot of the work that we do is based in the. US um, but sometimes there would be clients who talk about their work in relation to the UN Global goals um, as well. but that's I would say that's not a huge focus for us.
0: Thank you. I hope Thank I you. answered your question too yeah Thank you yes Sharon. you did you did. That's another good question. Timmy, I see Timmy Young on there. Hey, brother. Yes, sir. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> How are you doing, man? You know, you know, I'm looking forward to when we chop it up again. I got a show planned in a few, um, probably about a month from now. I'm going to make sure I reach out to you and pull you in for that one. But thanks for dropping in tonight. Now, I know you got a lot on your mind because I know you work at all kinds of initiatives. You know, any um, questions you got for billing when it comes to building and communicating your message for your purpose-driven organization? Yeah, um, I guess one of the questions I would have is what would you recommend for grassroots organizations, the neighborhood community type uh, organizations to assist uh, to get moving forward?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, thank you. We actually work with a lot of grassroots groups. That's a that's near and dear to my to my heart, that we definitely believe in uh, grassroots organizing and power building at the local level. Um, and we actually keep our rates pretty flexible so we can work with grassroots groups um, in particular too. And I would just say, you know, wanna, what I always say, which is that communications should be a priority, especially the smaller an organization is. The less capacity you have around communications, the more important it is to have strategic communication support because it helps you figure out how to best deploy the resources you do have for maximum impact. So we, you know, we've done that for years. Whether it's through like clinics for grassroots groups, or working directly one-on-one with them, or giving training, or helping them implement some things. Um, but great question, and, and for sure, I would say. Across the board, keeping communications as a priority is super important.
0: Yeah, thanks for that question, Timmy, because having talked to you and, you know, about your initiative, it it definitely is a grassroots organization. And, Bill, it really makes me think about, you know, what size organizations do you support? And I think you've answered it, right? You said, hey, you know, large and small, we keep our rates in a flexible way that we can really help people. And it seems like you personally have a passion for these grassroots Uh organizations, So, so I, I love that, Timmy, and, you know, and I think about it because sometimes for local grassroots organizations, in my mind, I can see people with a lot of passion for what they're doing, but then, you know, how do you get that message out? Because that message begins to, you know, gain supporters. I know talking to Letitia about some of the work she does with the Native um, audience, and, I, you know, I can talk to people and I can hear the passion in their voice, but I can also can see how, you know, it's hard to get that message out because you don't want your passion to be lost in the communication. And I'm just, once again, Bill, and until I started building things from scratch, I didn't realize how hard this thing was. But then I was like, yeah, I got a whole bunch of passion, but I have no idea how to communicate it in the way that people hear it in a way because people are acting on it. Because I was reading something in your information and it talked about you know at the end of the day the purpose of the communication is to get to the donations to the volunteer hours and things like that so there are some goals right so tim if your goals is like i want to build this i want to grow this then i, I like how billin said we sit down and we talk about those things let's see more mm-hmm. questions i see another first time yeah, face and, yolanda and so just, go ahead billin just,
1: just to answer that question or that that just to respond to that point i actually think you know the way we think about communications is about um Sure, I think nonprofits need money. They need volunteer support to do their work. But, like, what's the broader goal beyond that? What does that help you do? So, is it, you know, a lot of change? I think a lot of change happens at the local and state level, you know. So, is it holding elected officials accountable at the local and state level? Is it figuring out what kind of systems change you want to win at the local and state level? Um, Communications, the power of communications, I think, lies with helping with concrete change um so that's that that's a huge part of our focus i think we want to we can't consider ourselves successful until we help with that versus just you know helping you get like more social media followers that's great but for what end is something that we think about a lot
0: awesome i love that i love that and kim just used the fancy raise her hand i love it see she done done this zoom thing before kim what's up sister she is back how you doing what question you got
2: Hey, so I, I, I am truly enjoying the conversation. I My question is, is that we have so many important issues that we talk about, that we deal with, whether it's environmental, social justice, climate, you know, racial equity, but we know the int- uh, attention span of our audience is what, 15 seconds, they tell you 15, maybe 30 seconds. What, what platforms and what initiatives would you recommend um, for us to share these very important um, <clears throat> topics to our audience in a manner where they will get it, but also it will be impactful. Mm,
1: great question. I love that question. And I think it's it's a lot less than 15 seconds now, to be honest, it's like less than the attention span of a goldfish or something like that at this point. Um, I think, you know, that's why it's super important to be very clear about, before you even get to platforms, to get very clear about your goal and who it is that you're trying to reach. You're not trying to reach everyone. So who are those folks that you really want to target and make sure hear you? And then getting clear about what, what kind of messages will they, A, hear, and then B, act on? So I think those are super critical steps to get before you even get to a place of, like, the platform, you know, and 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 I think once you determine, you know, what the goal is and um, who, that will even help you figure out what the platform is. So, for example, I'll give you an example about, um, you know, I was helping one group with a communication strategy, and they're like trying to go mass mass communication, you know, and really they're trying to just reach a handful of judges, you know, and so for those folks. You might just even pick up the phone and call them. You, don't, you might not need to be on Twitter or Facebook. And so that helps you save a lot of time. It helps you save a lot of money. And it also helps you be more effective. So I think coming from a much more strategic place versus trying to do all the things all at once, you know, we're in a place where, to your point, there's a lot of content, there are a lot of platforms, and you have to make some strategic choices about what you're going to choose Versus just like adding to the noise, and the the best way to do that is by thinking about the goal, the audience, and then figuring out the messaging that's going to move that audience, and the way to deploy the messaging to get to that audience is really important.
0: Awesome, I love it. I love it. Anything you want to add to that, Kim?
2: No, I'm good. Um, you know, I I think it's still a you know identifying the audience, obviously, you know, we've done, um, but there's so many things that we want to get out there. So I'm struggling with trying to, you know, compress that and put it in a place where, you know, we can get different types of messaging out for the different audience.
0: Yeah. You know, even as I think about that, I mean, it's, it's really, it's tricky, you know, and when it comes to platforms, it's like, I like what Billen said, you know, it's definitely the strategic, the strategy and who you're targeting. And then I also think about where do people live, right? You know, certain people live in different platforms, right? You know, do certain people live in the newspaper? Yes, they do. They still live there. Well, who lives over here, right? You know, for us, you know, I'm thinking about um, some of our main numbers is what, 35 to 55, right? And they tend to live, you know, they're comfortable here. I've thought about changing platforms. And I think, well, that's where people live, right? I won't, you know me, I want the fancy technology, but other people don't want the fancy technology. So I just stay here because that's where people live. But I think it is tough. And I think, you know, even thinking about that topic, you know, what happens if you discover they live in different places? Then that's just even more fun. But um, I'm just kind of throwing it into the discussion part. so I see Yolanda here. She's a new voice, a new face. Hey Yolanda, how you doing?
2: Hey, I'm good. How are you?
0: Great, great. I hadn't seen you since UNC days. UNC One. Mm-hmm. Today I'm rocking my UNC uh Beat Duke shirt. So you All know, right. you know that, All that's right. how we roll. So yeah, how you sure. doing, Yolanda? What's on your mind? You got any questions for us?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I appreciate hearing um all the content coming from you guys, you're doing a great job. Uh I guess I don't know if this was asked already, but what made the shift to say I'm no longer can do this by myself. I need 12 additional kind of consultants. What was the pivot for that?
1: Yeah, great question. I like that question. Um, it started out with just with just one one person. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about 12 people. Um, I really just wanted to hire one more person. And to be honest, it's because I wanted to start a family and I, I realized that I was nonstop working, you know, round the clock and I couldn't see a path to having a family and just working as a solo consultant. Um, and that's really the shift that got me started to thinking, thinking about adding one person initially and then growing from there. And the mindset it took just to even think about not just supporting my own salary with somebody else's salary, you know, that took some work. And, you know, once, once I got that under my belt, then I started thinking about bringing on two folks, you know, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, and this time around bringing on five people at once is probably the largest batch of hiring that we've done. And there were many steps between that and this, um, but appreciate the question. That's a, that's a
0: really good one. Yeah. That's a, that's a real question. It's also known as a four-year-old and four-year-olds pop up. be like, Hey, <laughs> we got to grow. So I got one more question for you, Dylan. Um, and we're. There's done. one more but, in the chat. Too. Oh, we got another one in the chat. Okay. Yeah. The chat first.
2: Um, how do you create a marketing strategy for sensitive topics such as domestic violence awareness? Ooh. Mm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, super, super important. You know, we we have not done a lot around domestic violence. We definitely do work around crime survivors, especially Black and Brown crime survivors. You know, a lot of folks who are being directly impacted by justice, whether it's you know formerly incarcerated folks or um, we just finished this work around uh, uh, young people who are being exploited. You know, so one thing we really believe in um, when we're working on those kinds of issues is um, making sure that the people who are being directly impacted are also empowered as part of the work. And so we follow this model. We call it ethical storytelling model. Uh, It's actually, that is a model that exists that we follow. I don't want to pretend that we created that, that particular model, but it's ensuring that the folks who are being directly impacted have a say in the way those stories are told as part of the communication strategy. So it's not, you know, it's not just folks uh, who haven't experienced that kind of dictating what the solutions or the strategy is going to be, but that we're really putting folks who are being directly impacted at the center of the work. It's just one differentiator that I can think of around doing comms for something.
0: Thank you, thank you. I I, I love that approach, and I, I love how it includes, like you said, the people impacted. So, Billen, thank you for being here um, tonight. Thank you for sharing with us this opportunity, and it you know it's so cool to touch base with you after all of these years and to see the great work that you're doing. To see that during this Women's History Month, you know, to be able to reach out to somebody who's you know doing that thing, and it's you know I just like believe we got to celebrate our people, right? And, you know, I'm proud of you and I'm proud of the things you're doing. And, you know, kudos to you and your husband, you know, and the fam, because being able to create an environment, right, that dream team that, you know, represents the values, that no BS culture or, you know, what you call it locally, you know, to be able to give yourself that work-life balance and at the same time to be sincere about it that, hey, it can be a little scary, right? Like, I know sometimes people would ask me questions. I'm like, yeah, yeah it didn't work that way, you know? And then I begin to kind of share the blood set in tears and I'd be like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I love that answer. It's like, when did you decide mm-hmm. to grow? Oh, when I had a baby, because you know, that that's real, right? <laughs> Cause you know, and, and, and it's, it's real. So I appreciate that. And I value that one last question for you. Um, but before I ask that question, I want to tell people about next week, next week, if it's your first time here, we're, you know, recognizing, you know, various leaders in the community, um, for this woman's history month. And we have two special ladies next week. Um, Um, both um, professors, both who are teaching, and they're covering a topic that some would consider sensitive, but it's considered, it's an academic word. It is the silent, and I quote, the silent, strong black woman. On this topic of the silent, strong black woman, we're going to dig into the topic. We're going to see what does research say. We're going to see why one of these professors is actually building a PhD program that has support and understanding. And this show was actually inspired by someone that I know closely and I've known her over 20 years and didn't realize how strong this person was, how much stuff that they were dealing with. So the story is really inspired by witnessing something like, wow, you really have to be that strong? I've known you for 20 plus years and you're being that strong? That seems too strong. So I get it. I'm a guy. But my goal is to find the stories, to find the people and bring it to you. So looking forward to that. Come on back next week. Bill, and one last question for you. You know, with everything we said, how do you stay motivated? I mean, this t- work can be hard. I've learned many years ago with some of my friends with the NAACP is that, you know, this work can be toxic. You, this is before they were doing mental health, you know, checks and breaks. I didn't realize how heavy this work can be. How do you kind of, you know, stay motivated, you know, with all of this stuff, with all of these messages that often may not be happy? I mean, any recommendations, any things that you do personally to kind of keep yourself, you know, in a good place?
1: Mm. Well, first, let me just say thank you for having me on the show. It's been super fun. Thank you for sharing your platform with me. I appreciate, I appreciate reconnecting and just having this conversation. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, in terms of what keeps me motivated, to be honest, I think the groups that we work with and the change makers keep me motivated. It's some amazing folks who are really thinking about solutions to a lot of the challenges that we face, folks who are really dedicated. We're spending a lot of time and energy to imagine a new world, to kind of imagine a world without these injustices that we take into Uh, was we take as reality every day like there are folks out there who are really thinking about like what does the work look like or the world look like if these things didn't exist and I find that to be super inspiring and super motivating Um, and it gets me through I think to your point like some of the (laughs) re-traumatizing re-traumatizing that we all deal with on a daily basis and so if we can help them win then you know we win too so that's that's what keeps me going
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being here tonight. I look forward to working with you guys again.
3: Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for discussion with the audience.